0: There's more written in the Bible about David than any other person except Jesus, a man after God's own heart. But David had issues. He was persecuted while living in sin and loving God at the same time. On the other hand, he was more concerned how his misdeeds might mess up the lives of others, outward and inward issues to contend with, just like you and me. Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Nordstrom, and welcome to the program today. In Psalm 69, David's life is a pattern of how God trains and challenges his people. This future king, this genetic forerunner to the Son of God, was misunderstood by the people he loved. But above all, David had a passionate heart, even as Saul chased him all over Israel and the waters were up to his neck. David did not invalidate his life because his life was in a mess. Listen to Psalm 69, verse 3. This is David. I'm weary with my crying. My throat's dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. (laughs) Have you ever had a night like that? David had tenacity and nerve in the way he talked to the Lord and with the Lord and the way he saw the Father heart of God. Listen, you can't validate your life based on how well you're doing. You do that, you give Satan a basis for argument. Give him a front-row seat for throwing out all those accusations. You see, validate your life on the basis you're marked, you're chosen, and you're loved by God. I know it sounds too simple, but the next time all hell's breaking loose, suck it up, look up, and make it clear in the heavens that you know in whom you've believed, and you're convinced the Holy Spirit will keep what you've committed to him, against anything the powers of the air send your way. Nevertheless, there was anguish in David's heart. He was about to drown, losing his balance, no deliverance in the natural. This was not occasional sin or temptation. Only supernatural deliverance would make a difference here. "'Deliver me out of the mire,' David said." And let me not sink, let let me be delivered from those who hate me and out of the deep waters. Let not the flood water overflow me, nor let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit shut its mouth on me. You see, the pit speaks of giving up, accepting the fact that you'll live in sin the rest of your life, that this stuff works for some, but it ain't working for me. When Jesus spoke to his disciples just before the days before his crucifixion, he made it clear that following him will ignite hate from many, especially the religious community. Listen to John chapter 15 verse 18, the words of Jesus. He says, "If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You know what I most often experience in spiritual conversations is that most people are little concerned about the God equation. They don't have a problem with God, but they get really sideways when Jesus Christ is brought into that discussion. We have to come to grips with that. Jesus offends. He offended the religious in his day, and speaking of him will offend many in our day. Now, David begins to see the big picture here. There's more to this opposition he's going through than, than first thought. David sees a divine setup. This is verse 26 For they persecute the ones you have struck, and, and they talk of the grief of those you have wounded. Folks, that isn't the work of the devil. That's the work of God. David's coming to realize that the deeper his sincere love for the Lord and the mounting anguish in his heart for his own behavior is God's way of making it clear he has a divine assignment that's about to be revealed. That God's allowing circumstances and challenges in David's life and he was to embrace them as a learning experience. Listen to David's heart in Psalm chapter 2. It's one of my favorite psalms. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son. Literally, embrace his discipline, David's saying, lest he be angry. The Holy Spirit's showing David something here. He's letting David know there's more to his present circumstances than anguish and oppression. He, he's letting David know he's in the middle of a learning experience. The impulsive apostle Peter recognized this. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Beloved, do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you, you partake of Christ's sufferings that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So what's God's purpose here? Psalm 69, 29. I'm poor and sorrowful, David says. Let your salvation, O God, set me up on high. I will praise the name of God with a song, and I'll magnify Him with thanksgiving. You see, God's producing humility in David's soul. He's learning to surrender his soul. He's learning through a divine discipline how to become a spiritual man as opposed to a natural man. This is a lesson in humility. You see, God's preparing a company of forerunners with apostolic anointing. Yes, that's exactly what I said. No-name servant leaders who've undergone a divine discipline that has put them directly in the pathway of the hatred of the world And persecution from the powers of the air. Look for them, beloved. They're coming. They're arising to the occasion in mostly nondescript places all over the world. They're on their faces in a divine encounter, as at Asbury University recently. But look for them. They'll be on their feet soon, perhaps coming to a church near you, a fellowship in someone's basement, bringing their guitars and voices, having the word of the Lord for a moment in time that will shake the mostly dull church into a realization the branch of the fig tree is beginning to bud, that as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man." David's confidence was in God's kindness and so must ours. We don't have to spend our lives bargaining with God. He said no to Jesus in the garden so he could say yes to us. We're no longer hopeless hypocrites. We're benefactors of God's sure mercies. His tender mercies are forever. Let's pray. Father, you make it clear the closer we get to your return the greater the challenges from the powers of the air. So we pray your church, a, a generation on the earth today, will be, will be gripped by the power of your spirit to overcome, that lives will encounter the depth of your love and grow with confidence in the forerunner spirit you're placing in so many. I pray for those right now who, who like David, feel the waters are up to their necks, I ask that as they cry out to you, Lord, a peace that passes all understanding will overtake them and ignite their hearts for the days ahead. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Maranatha, beloved, I'm Bill Nordstrom.